Due to the graphic nature of this cult's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of abuse. We advise caution for children under 13. Reverend Akju Shin breathed a sigh of relief as she exited her plane and walked into the bustling Incheon Airport in South Korea. She'd been traveling for over 10 hours and had to be glad for the chance to stretch her legs. By that point in July 2018, Reverend Akju had a stranglehold over her congregation at the Grace Road Church. While several members claimed they were unable to travel outside of Fiji, she was free to come and go as she pleased. The same rules didn't apply to her. She felt untouchable. Little did she know, she was anything but. On the other side of the gate, a group of police officers were lying in wait for the reverend. They'd uncovered some disturbing details about her controversial teachings at the church, and they wanted to bring it all down. Hi, I'm Greg Polson. And I'm Vanessa Richardson. And this is Cults, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we look at a cult's practices, its leader, and its followers. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today, we're discussing Reverend Akju Shin. Last week, we followed Akju as she founded the Grace Road Church and weathered accusations of torture and abuse just a few years later. This week, we'll learn about what happened to Akchu and the loyal followers who moved to Fiji to await doomsday. We'll cover the Reverend's escalating abuses and the allegations that prompted the authorities to look into the church. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Viore. Give the active people in your life something they'll truly appreciate. Performance apparel from Viore. Whether they're into running, surfing, hiking, or even just casual walks around the block, there's something for everyone. And if you're not sure what to gift them, you can't go wrong with something from Viore's Dream Knit Collection. It's the perfect gift and so comfortable. Get 20% off your first purchase today at Viore. V-U-O-R-I slash Spotify. Ready to find your next favorite podcast? Spotify makes it easier than ever to discover new favorites by previewing short audio clips before committing to a full listen. You can even watch some podcasts with video or just keep playing audio in the background. It's everything you want in one app. Music, podcasts, and audiobooks across any device. Play anytime, anywhere, any way you'd like with Spotify. Try today. In 2014, Reverend Akju Shin urged members of her Grace Road Church to move to Fiji to escape a famine she predicted would decimate South Korea. Initially, only around 30 members packed their things to join Akju, while the rest of the congregation, roughly 400 people, stayed behind in South Korea. The Reverend warned her followers that they needed to prepare for the seven years of tribulation that she believed was foretold in the Book of Revelation, most Christians believed that those who were saved by God would be spared from the horrors of the tribulation. But Akju taught her congregation that they would all have to endure it together. And she claimed it would come sooner rather than later. She said the famine she foresaw would lead to global economic collapse. They needed to find a place where there would be no winter, 
presumably so they could grow food year-round. That's why Fiji had to become their sanctuary from the upcoming troubles. So not long after arriving in the small town of Deoba, around an hour from the nation's capital, Akju and her advisors got to planning. The roadmap they laid out started with the Grace Road Church, but there was more to it than that. Akju wanted to create an entirely new entity in Fiji. She saw limitless possibilities for expanding in Fiji. At her instruction, the church filed paperwork to create an organization called the GR Group. This company would launch business ventures designed to help fund the church. Closely affiliated with Grace Road in theory, the GR Group operated as its business arm. But it's unclear how separate the entities actually were. The group never hid its link to the church, and Akju had a major hand in running the GR Group. With these formalities out of the way, Akju and her organization set out to prepare for the end of the world. According to the Fiji Times, the group started with a modest investment of the equivalent of $150,000. Using that seed money, the company signed a 50-year lease for 83 acres of land in April 2014. It's not clear where this money came from, but before leaving for Fiji, many members of the church sold their earthly possessions. They may have donated the proceeds from these sales directly to Grace Road. So, while the sum of $150,000 sounds like a lot, it was only the beginning of Akju's plans. She had plenty more to invest. But first, she had to lay the foundation for her vision. The initial plan was to harvest rice on the new land. It was a modest start, but one that the 30 or so members of the congregation attacked with zeal. They were committed to securing a steady supply of food to sustain the church. After all, the land was meant to be their refuge from the coming calamity. They had to be ready. So, while Akju split her time between South Korea and Fiji, male members of the church labored in the fields. They spent hours in the hot sun trying to make the land profitable. And according to some former laborers, they did it all for free. Instead of a salary for their countless hours of work, members were allegedly only given food and board. In response to this claim, however, Akju Shin's son, Daniel Kim, stated that each church member had shares in the Grace Road Company, and this is why they weren't treated as employees. Vanessa is going to take over on the psychology here and throughout the episode. Please note, Vanessa is not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist, but we have done a lot of research for this show. Thanks, Greg. It's not uncommon for groups to rely on unpaid labor, but their success depends on what motivates their followers. In this case, members of the Grace Road Church weren't all that different from modern doomsday preppers one might see on reality television. Many likely took some form of comfort in believing the apocalypse was just around the corner. In an interview with Scientific American, neuroscientist Shmuel Lissick said, Apocalyptic beliefs make existential threats, the fear of our mortality, predictable. The act of preparing for a disaster can be a sort of therapy, a way to make sense of the chaotic world. Akju's prophecies gave her followers lives meaning and direction. But there was something more fundamental at play, too. A few years of volunteer labor seemed like a bargain compared to waiting out the apocalypse unprepared and alone. If they truly believed in their reverend, it's easy to understand why members of the church would be willing to give up everything they had to stay in Fiji. And over time, their efforts bore fruit. Eventually, the members of Grace Road built up a compound of sorts, 
Rows of neatly planted crops were surrounded by agricultural buildings in various stages of construction. The property wasn't gated or fenced, but the church didn't really need to take measures like those. Akju's followers were living in a foreign country where most people didn't speak their native language. No matter where they went in Fiji, they were effectively isolated. Not that they had much free time to explore anyway. It seems that Akju expected her followers to get the fields up and running while also building temporary shelters and a place to worship. While most of the men worked in the fields or handled construction, the women were ordered to cook and clean. It was a major lifestyle adjustment for many at Grace Road. But one thing never changed, Akju's endless efforts to keep her congregation in line. Whenever Akju was in Fiji, she hit her flock with exhausting sermons. They were just as intense as they had been in South Korea. The threshing practices that had begun years earlier also continued. Congregants were called to the front of the room to be beaten as a form of religious cleansing known as threshing. While the practice may have appeared barbaric to outsiders, those inside the church seemed willing to tolerate it. They believed threshing kept them on the straight and narrow path to paradise. It was seen by some as a form of tough love. Still, Grace Road didn't go out of their way to advertise it. Church leaders maintained a website full of information about Akju and her beliefs. Any mention of threshing, however, was curiously absent. With an online presence like that, it's clear that Akju was still interested in growing her congregation. And it was easy for those seeking spiritual answers to get caught up in her web. In 2014, a woman in her 20s named Cecilia Lee was back home in South Korea. She'd taken a break from her university studies in Pennsylvania to look after her mom, Eun Jae. A few years earlier, Cecilia lost her father to cancer. Now her mother had been diagnosed as well. But to Cecilia's surprise, Eun Jae didn't seem concerned. If anything, she seemed to be in a better mood than usual. Before long, Cecilia discovered that her mother had recently started attending Grace Road Church. While it seemed like she'd built a supportive community for herself, there was one major problem. Because of the church's teachings, Eun Jae wasn't interested in going to the doctor to treat her cancer. Eun Jae spotted several conspiracy theories about the healthcare system that she appeared to have gotten from the church. She distrusted doctors and worried about being injected with microchips in the hospital. It all sounded like nonsense to Cecilia, but she couldn't deny that the church helped her mother socially. So she didn't ask her mom to leave the congregation, but she still insisted that her mother go to see a doctor. But it wasn't as easy as Cecilia thought it would be. Eun Jae was reluctant to get medical help. That summer, while Cecilia stayed with her mom, she asked her to attend one of Akju's sermons at Grace Road Church outside of Seoul. Cecilia reluctantly agreed to go. But what she found there was disconcerting. The chapel appeared to be in a warehouse-type building full of folding chairs. It didn't seem all that professional. It certainly wasn't what Cecilia expected from a house of worship. The entire experience didn't sit right with her. The pastor droned on about the book of Revelation for what seemed like hours. But at the end of the day, Cecilia chose to be supportive of her mom. Clearly, the church gave her a sense of purpose. Cecilia never joined Grace Road, but did succeed in getting Eun Jae to go see a doctor. She gave in to her daughter's pleas and had surgery to eliminate the cancer. For the next few months, Cecilia tended to her mother while she recovered. At that time, everything seemed to be going well. 
Unjay's health was better, and she seemed happier than she'd been in years. She even started considering her future. Unjay eventually decided that she wanted to retire and settle in Fiji with the other members of Grace Road Church. Cecilia had no idea about the compound in Fiji, but she supported her mother's decision to relocate to the tropics. She even agreed to help with the moving process. It seemed like a great opportunity for a nice vacation, but she had no idea what she'd signed up for. Coming up, Cecilia is trapped in Fiji. What could be more shocking than uncovering the deep, dark secrets behind history's biggest stories? Realizing that everything you thought was true was a lie. Hi, it's Carter from the ParCast series, Conspiracy Theories. Every Monday and Wednesday, take a closer look at the blurred line between fact and fiction and discover that there may be more to the so-called truth than you think. From the government's link to Bigfoot and the otherworldly secrets of the Vatican to the Grateful Dead's role in the spread of LSD and more. On Conspiracy Theories, we leave no stone unturned and no skeptic unheard. Some may just be outlandish claims. Others may make you rethink everything. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Conspiracy Theories. Listen free only on Spotify. Now back to the story. By late 2014, the Grace Road Church had put down roots in Fiji, over 5,000 miles from Reverend Akju Shin's home country of South Korea. On the word of Reverend Akju Shin, who said that South Korea would soon experience a famine. Thanks to Akju's doomsday prophecies, dozens of members of her congregation packed up their lives to start anew in the island nation. One of them was a retired woman named Eun Jae, who'd recently recovered from cancer. In December 2014, Eun Jae and her daughter Cecilia flew out to Fiji together. Cecilia thought she was in for a relaxing two-week trip to help her mother settle into retirement. But she was in for a rude awakening. Upon landing, she and her mom were warmly welcomed by a member of Grace Road Church. Cecilia's heart sank. The trip wouldn't be anything like she'd been expecting. She should have known. Everything they were doing there was about the church. From the airport, Cecilia and her mom were driven to the church's land. There, from what we can tell, the conditions were tolerable. By that point, about 30 people lived on the compound. According to Cecilia, everything she saw appeared to have been made by hand, including the beds everyone slept on. For the next few days, she helped her mom settle in. She watched the women cooking and cleaning indoors while the men toiled in the fields. It's unlikely that, at this point, Cecilia knew the true extent of Grace Road's apocalyptic beliefs or how tightly Akju controlled everything. But she could still tell she was inside an insular religious commune. And in time, she would learn more about the church, whether she wanted to or not. Every day, the members of Grace Road Church piled into their homes to watch a live stream of Akju's sermons back in South Korea. Cecilia watched as the entire congregation, including her mother, hung on every word from their beloved reverend. Despite her apparent lack of interest, the other members wanted to include Cecilia as much as possible. They begged her to extend her two-week trip, 
enticing her with an invitation to a mass wedding for four couples in the church on New Year's. She politely declined. All she wanted at that point was to leave as soon as she could. Unfortunately for her, that wasn't going to happen. Only a day before Cecilia was scheduled to leave Fiji, she discovered that her laptop, credit cards, passport, and other belongings were missing. When she asked her mother to give them back, she claimed she was refused. She wanted her daughter to stay behind in Fiji to join Reverend Akju's church. Cecilia couldn't believe it. Without her passport, she was stranded in a foreign country. She told the website Global News that she initially tried calling the police. But before anyone came to help, a member of the church called the authorities back to apologize. They claimed Cecilia's call was just a prank. Then the landline to her phone was cut, and her cell phone would not work. Cecilia could feel the walls closing in around her. She fled outside as fast as she could. Several neighbors looked at her in confusion as she begged them for help. But before she could get too far, some members of the church caught up and dragged her back to a room in the commune. Cecilia didn't know what to do. In a rage, she trashed the room they put her in. She was thousands of miles away from Seoul and unsure of how to get back there. That night, she must have stayed up, wondering if she would ever get back to her normal life. By the time dawn arrived, she decided she needed to make another escape attempt. So, wearing nothing but her pajamas and flip-flops, Cecilia made a break for it. She sprinted out of the commune and through the gate. She passed several members, but managed to outrun them. Before anyone could stop her, she managed to wave down a passing police car. The officers promised to take her to the South Korean embassy, not too far away. Cecilia must have been relieved, but she wasn't out of the woods yet. According to her, members of the church followed the police car at a distance. At the embassy, she was able to obtain a temporary passport and acquired a plane ticket back to South Korea. It was a relief, but she knew Grace Road members were still watching her every move. Including her mother. A few days later, Eun-jae stopped her daughter at the airport. There was nothing she could do to keep Cecilia from boarding the plane, but that didn't stop her from belittling her daughter. According to Cecilia, her mother started by claiming she was adopted, the first time she'd heard the shocking claim. From there, Eun-jae said something else that hit Cecilia like a ton of bricks. Eun-jae had already sold everything they had back in South Korea. There was nothing left. Even worse, many of her relatives had decided to join the church as well. They'd also liquidated their assets. That was the last time Cecilia spoke to her mother face to face. Eun-jae chose the church over her own daughter. On December 17, 2014, Cecilia arrived back in South Korea and discovered that her mother had been telling the truth. She had to start over with nothing more than the clothes on her back. Luckily, she still had friends she could rely on. They let her crash at their place until she could get back on her feet. She slowly started to put her life back together. One of her first moves was to get new copies of the official documents that had been stolen back in Fiji. The process was complicated when Cecilia's aunt, a member of the church, filed a missing persons report for her. While the matter was resolved fairly quickly, it demonstrated the lengths her family was willing to go to harass enemies of the church. With few options, Cecilia started a GoFundMe to ask for financial assistance. 
On the page, she laid out everything that had gone wrong for her at Grace Road Church and the troubles with her mother. People were touched by her story. Many donated and left encouraging messages to show their support. Not everyone was so nice, however. After seeing her daughters cry for help, Eun-jae publicly posted a cruel message on the page. She called Cecilia a sinner who'd abandoned the church. As far as she was concerned, she no longer had a daughter. It was tough to read. Cecilia told Global News in 2018 that it was something she had to deal with and move past. She missed her mother, but at the end of the day, she couldn't let Eun-jae's decisions negatively impact her life. In a later interview with the BBC, Cecilia said, I'm very happy with where I am in life now. I still love my family, but as cold as this might sound, I can't really forgive them for what they've done. And after everything that's happened, I can never invite them back into my life. Trying to move on from a toxic situation like that is never easy. Conventional wisdom may be to let go and cut ties with everyone involved. Of course, that's easier said than done. Leaving someone behind, especially a parent, can be difficult, but reasoning with them may be impossible. Sometimes trying to convince a person to leave a toxic environment can prompt what's called a self-sealing maneuver. This term is used to describe when people dig in their heels when confronted with information that contradicts their beliefs. Rather than change their minds, the confrontation makes them more fervent believers. They may have to realize the truth on their own terms for it to really stick. It appears that Cecilia made the best decision she could. She looked out for her well-being first. It's like being on an airplane during an emergency. The safest option is to take care of yourself before you help the person next to you. If not, you both might be put in danger. For their part, Grace Road Church denied many of Cecilia's claims to global news. They insisted that whatever transpired between the mother and daughter was a personal matter. According to them, Cecilia hadn't been held in Fiji against her will. All Cecilia could do was hope that one day authorities would intervene. And she likely wasn't the only one. In the years that followed, other people who had been to Grace Road's compound came forward to describe similar situations. They said they arrived in Fiji only to have their passports taken away from them. Life was different for the locals neighboring the Grace Road commune, but just like everyone else, they felt the impact of the church on their community. Because by early 2015, Grace Road's GR Group Corporation was working to expand its influence on the economy. In the next phase of the church's development, officials wanted to expand their agricultural options from simple rice to include an assortment of vegetables and livestock. With this move, they were able to increase their market share in the region. It also made them better prepared for the coming apocalypse. Though to be clear, their media relations department never focused on the doomsday predictions. Instead, the group often flouted their financial achievements. Some of these included helping to support local economic growth by offering jobs to local Fijians. According to a 2018 statement given to the Fiji Sun, the GR group employed 220 locals to work the land. This was in addition to the approximately 250 South Koreans that had moved to Fiji to help the church's mission by that time. With so many dedicated to the cause, business boomed. Soon enough, the compound was able to support 400 members of the church. And with such a large workforce, the GR group could take on plenty of construction contracts. That brought church leaders closer with the government. 
The GR Group was even awarded a contract to work on the Prime Minister of Fiji's personal residence. Later on, the company was given a business award from the Prime Minister. In 2016, the GR Group claimed to have leased more than 1,500 acres of land. They said they'd poured $10 million into the country. It was a far cry from their initial investment of $150,000. But it wasn't all sunshine and daisies. According to someone interviewed for an Al Jazeera documentary, to acquire some of their land, the group made at least one promise they never fulfilled. In an interview, one local man claimed the GR Group promised him they would build a school on a portion of the land they leased. As of 2019, no school had been built and construction wasn't slated to start anytime soon. By then, Grace Road Church had deep roots in the community. It would take a lot for the tides to turn against River Nakju. But then, she had a lot to answer for. Coming up, Okju Shin is apprehended. Now, back to the story. In 2018, it looked like the Grace Road Church and their business, the GR Group, were thriving. They'd moved approximately 400 members from South Korea to Fiji and made tremendous strides developing real estate and starting businesses there. In the four years since arriving in the island nation, they'd even made inroads into the country's capital city, but it wasn't by building a series of churches. Instead, Reverend Okju's ambitions seemed to lay primarily in strip malls. The GR Group opened several businesses to cater to the local community. A pizza place and a noodle shop were just the beginning. At one point, they had over a dozen locations and nine different restaurants on the island. They even opened up their own dental practice. But while Grace Road acted like they only wanted to serve the needs of the locals, that may not have been their only goal. In one of Akju's sermons featured in the documentary by Al Jazeera as an alleged leaked video, she purportedly revealed her master plan for Fiji. According to the documentary's translation of the clip, Akju said, We will rule, govern, and conquer. Not only that, but she also appeared to speak disparagingly of Fijians making xenophobic remarks about their lack of intelligence. The footage of this sermon appeared to show that Grace Road, under the control of Okju, planned to infiltrate the country's politics, but the church pushed back on the news report. In response to the video, Grace Road claimed the original clip was, quote, intentionally edited and they had cut out the entire context. The church also claimed the translation was incorrect and that Okju had no malicious intent when she gave the sermon. She only wanted to help those in the community. The Fijian government declined to comment on the documentary, citing ongoing investigations and their inability to comment on clips that were said in the Korean language. Also, according to the country's constitution, no one could run for public office unless they were a citizen. So while the documentary expose about the Grace Road community may have concerned onlookers, the government didn't seem in a place to intervene. Locals who actually worked with the GR Group weren't so complacent, however. In the Al Jazeera documentary, several laborers complained about the conditions they said they had to endure. One laborer claimed members of the church were also treated harshly. He said he saw church members being hit by their supervisors. And while the locals were at least paid for their labor, things for them weren't much better. One worker interviewed in the documentary was left permanently injured on a GR Group construction project after falling off some scaffolding and breaking his leg. Initially, the group paid for his leave and medical care. 
Things were fine at first, but the recovery process was lengthy. Doctors told him it would take two years. After only four months, the group told the injured employee to go back to work, despite the fact that he wasn't cleared by a doctor. Apparently, Grace Road handed him a medical certificate that said he was fine, even though he still had a visible limp. When he returned to work, the pain in his leg was severe. He was fired by the company. Now that he has a permanent limp, it has been hard for him to find new employment. Despite these accusations of misconduct, the Fijian government appeared unwilling to take any action against Grace Road Church. They did not respond to requests from the Al Jazeera documentary team for a statement. But in 2018, officials back in South Korea turned their attention to Reverend Okju Shin. By that point, they'd received several complaints from former members of the church about their passports being confiscated. From there, South Korean authorities built their case and waited for the right opportunity to make a move against Okju. They needed to find a public place where she couldn't hide behind her followers. In July of 2018, their moment finally came. That month, South Korean law enforcement apprehended Akju at an airport in Seoul. She was charged with violence, abuse, and fraud. After the arrest, her son, Daniel Kim, who was president of the Grace Road Company, made statements to the press defending his mother. Meanwhile, Akju maintained her position as the spiritual leader from prison. And while she claimed she was innocent, the evidence against her spoke volumes. Video clips from past services showed the church's disturbing threshing practices. It wasn't pretty. And the Grace Road Church acted fast after Akju's arrest. They immediately made it clear in statements that they felt the Reverend was being falsely imprisoned. They denied the government's claims, despite the evidence. Then, a month after Akju's capture, the Fijian government finally took action. Along with South Korean authorities and Interpol, they raided the Grace Road compound. Several people were detained, including Daniel Kim, and members of the church were interviewed. Ultimately, however, nothing came of that investigation. The church leaders were released after a few days, and no charges were ever filed. That didn't mean Akju was off the hook, though. By the fall of 2018, while she awaited trial in South Korea, several former members of the church sought to sway the court of public opinion. They submitted video captured in the church to media outlets. It was a supercut of footage that featured parishioners being hit by Akju and other church leaders. The clips were difficult to watch at times, but clearly showed what went on during some of Akju's services. The church, on the other hand, cast the clips in a completely different light. They saw the supercut of footage as a hit piece that misconstrued the truth. In response, they shared longer versions of Akju's sermons with CNN. Their only condition was that the footage not be released online. Because of that, we don't know what the new videos included. CNN reported that the footage, quote, shows the threshing as part of Shin's sermons. The parishioners do not appear to be hit against their will. But the incidents are physical, at times violent, and hard to watch. When it came to the threshing, the church never claimed the physical altercations didn't happen. Instead, they argued the practice wasn't abuse because members attended the church of their own free will and consented to the threshing. According to Grace Road, its members should have known what they were getting into. Leaders admitted that the threshing might look extreme, but it was simply a custom at their church, one that each of the members knew about when they showed up to services. 
To some, that might sound like victim blaming, but the church viewed it as a justification of their practices, and logic like that is nothing new for groups like Grace Road Church. As for the churchgoers themselves, some members may have actually viewed the threshing as beneficial. It's not unheard of for survivors to rationalize abuse in order to cope with the experience. Overall, it was clear that the church wasn't rethinking its behavior in light of the charges against Reverend Akju. In a lengthy statement that stretched over 150 pages long and can be downloaded from the group's website, Grace Road further justified their actions. This time, they relied on Akju's unique interpretation of the Bible to back up her conduct. In this statement, the church said they viewed the reverend as an angel referenced in the book of Revelation. This, they argued, meant everything she did was divinely ordained. She, along with the rest of the congregation, walked the true path of Christianity. Grace Road believed that most of the world had things backward. The church could never be wrong, but everyone else was. It's unclear how many people read the church's lengthy PDF, but clearly the church's response was a mixed bag. For those critical of the church, it didn't provide much reason to doubt the allegations. Yet it seemed that no matter what, Grace Road wouldn't change its teachings or soften their message. The critics did at least earn some vindication in 2019, when Akju's case was finally resolved in court. To the dismay of her followers, she was sentenced to six years in prison for child abuse, fraud, and violence. That didn't mean Grace Road was done for, though. The church and its businesses continued operating without any problem while she was in prison. Their restaurant network in Fiji was so extensive that it had become ingrained in many people's routines. Even if someone disagreed with the church's actions as a whole, they might not have wanted its businesses to fail. The group had done a fantastic job of using the GR group to transform the church's reputation in Fiji. The group's 400 members weren't going anywhere. They simply brought too much to the community. Today, Akju remains in prison while her hundreds of followers desperately await her release. Her son, Daniel, and other pastors from the church have stepped up in her absence. They continue posting videos to the group's YouTube page and uploading podcasts. The church has even tried using the COVID pandemic to prove Akju's innocence. On their Facebook page, they published a post wondering if the pandemic was God's judgment for Akju's arrest. It seems members went back to the well once more to find answers in Akju's biblical interpretations. As usual, they clung to anything they could to reinforce their existing beliefs. In the end, Akju Shin's story is complex. She completely reinvented herself after suffering emotional and physical abuse at the hands of her husband. But from there, she became an abuser herself. The spark of belief that once gave Akju hope turned into a blazing inferno with time, one that blinded her to the dangerous consequences of her actions. Thanks again for tuning in to Cults. We'll be back next Tuesday with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Cults and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. Cults is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Michael Motion. With production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Cults was written by Robert Tyler Walker, with writing assistance by Tara Wells, fact-checking by Claire Cronin, and research by Brian Petrus. 
Cult stars Greg Polson and Vanessa Richardson.